Well, I was going to begin by saying that this sermon is brought to you by Dayquil. <laughs> but quite frankly, Dayquil does not have its head in the game. Um, so it's, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it, nothing else that will make for interesting uh, podcast. Count the coughs. Um, that's enough whining. I got a Kindle for Christmas. Hey. It's what's known as an e-reader, a device with which I can read e-books, through which I can experience e-learning and e-pleasure. It's an enormously enjoyable gift. <laughs> I e-love my Kindle. Now, for those of you who worry about such things, Margaret, um, rest assured that I still have all my books made of paper and glue, and I still treasure them and read them, and I fully intend to keep buying them and adding to my collection. Ebooks are cool and very convenient, but they're no substitute for holding the real thing in your hands. Still, the Kindle's pretty sweet. Um, I carry it around with me wherever I go. It's actually sort of embarrassing. I didn't bring it this morning. Um, it's like a pocket-sized library, right? What bibliophile hasn't dreamed of such things? Now, I wasn't terribly surprised when I opened the package. Uh, I confess that I'd shamelessly and even rather aggressively lobbied for it as the perfect Christmas gift. My birthday is this month, so I made the case that if I got the Kindle for Christmas, uh, then everybody's birthday shopping would be very easy. All they would need to do is go to Amazon and buy a gift certificate. I was only thinking of them and their convenience. Seriously. Shameless, as I admitted. In my defense, I can only say that I'm uh, rarely so coercive when it comes to asking for gifts. Um, Still, it wasn't my finest hour. Anyhow, I opened the package, and I found the Kindle, and I plugged it in, and I played with it and bought a couple of things. All the works of H.G. Wells for only $1.99. The complete Sherlock Holmes stories for only $2.99. I mean, who can resist this? I caressed it like Gollum with the one ring that ruled them all. That was Christmas Eve. I carried my Kindle with me to Mary Lou's parents' place for Christmas Day, and I played with it some more, um, never leaving it out of my sight for even a minute, as if somebody in the family would swipe the thing out from under my nose. It's pathetic, I know. Obsession will do that to the best of us, or at least to me. Our sons wanted to look at it, which in their minds involves holding it and touching it and pushing buttons and in a whole bunch of other ways violating its pristine beauty. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I did so only with great reluctance. Like the reluctance I felt way back when somebody used to ask to hold our firstborn child. And that suspicion you feel for even the closest, uh, most loving and trustworthy relative that somehow they harbor, harbor evil intentions toward your child. That, that kind of reluctance. It's, it's really fairly alarming, actually. Um, <laughs> Remember that whole uh, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten craze? Well, sharing was right there near the top of the list, and somehow getting that Kindle pretty much erased everything I learned in kindergarten. <laughs> sharing was suddenly a much overrated virtue, foolish and naive, really, and best reserved for things that, well, you really don't want or care about. The good stuff, the cool stuff, the new stuff, the best stuff, stuff you just got that still is all shiny and beautiful. Uh, no, sorry. That's the stuff I'll keep to myself. Thank you very much. Well, uh, today is Stewardship Sunday, 
Now, why a Sunday in January is designated as Stewardship Sunday is anybody's guess. Seems to me a better time for such an observance would be sometime in September, say, when congregations are busy planning their budgets for the next year, or maybe November when congregations are doing their year-end appeals, or April even, when people are already writing checks to the IRS, so why not write one more, this time to an organization you actually like? But MCUSA, Mennonite Church USA, in its wisdom, designated today as Stewardship Sunday, and apparently without any regard whatsoever for the lectionary readings for this Sunday. Now, at first, I was inclined to just ask the worship planners to skip Stewardship Sunday or maybe postpone it until we had some more stewardshipy scriptures to work with. But whenever I would sit down to write an email to Sheldon and Marie to that effect, I'd hear the voice of Jim Haverstick in my head. <laughs> A kind voice, it must be said. Not at all scary. But clear as a bell, and it's call for me to think again, to reconsider, and to go with the stewardship theme after all. And Jim's voice went out. So I went back to the scriptural drawing board, and well, this is the result. I know we're not supposed to think this way, but my initial response to the word stewardship is that it's about money. Um, sure, time and gifts and talents eventually make their way onto the list, but first out of the box every time is money. And that's too bad, really, because for the vast majority of us, money is a limited resource, right? I mean, we've only got so much of it, and we'll only earn so much more over our lifetimes, and sooner or later, it's going to run out. Now, Bill Gates doesn't have this problem, but I think everybody in this room does. No matter how much we earn and how much we accumulate, there's only so much at the end of the day, and sooner or later, it's going to all be gone. In fact... We expend enormous amounts of mental and emotional energy trying to postpone that day when it all runs out. At a minimum, we want to save enough for our last years so that we can live in some degree of comfort. And then at the other end of the scale, we want to save enough so that our children will inherit a nice chunk when we are dead and gone. And neither of those goals are bad. They're not bad in themselves. In fact, we might call them the end results of good stewardship, right? Being a good steward means planning for the future. And in this case, that means reserving a limited resource, doling it out wisely and with an eye not only for the present but also for the future. And again, that's all good and understandable, noble even, if we do it ethically and without an undue stinginess along the way. But I wonder, is stewardship really about carefully measuring out limited resources? Is stewardship only about uh, making our money last or being wise in how we spend it or how we spend our limited time, being careful in making the best use of our limited energy, being efficient in how we exercise our limited gifts. I mean, all of these things, money, time, energy, talents, they are limited. Or at least our freedom to use them is limited. And so we do need to attend to them. And we need to attend to them well. And we need to be intentional. And we need to be wise in making use of them. And that is, indeed, what good stewardship means. But are there some things that we've been given, some things we've received that are unlimited? Do we possess some things that are unboundaried, that have no end? Have we inherited or been given some things that are not once and done or given in limited quantities, things that are always present tense, as in always being given? Are there gifts that we can share without fear of running low? 
or running out? Are there gifts which give us the opportunity to be utterly free of constraint and to share without regard to the future and with the sheer joy of extravagant and even reckless abandon? Now, you've all been Christians long enough to know a setup when you see one. Um, and so you know that the answer to all these little questions is yes. Yes, we have been given such gifts. And yes, we are free to share them recklessly. And yes, we do have opportunity to practice an entirely different kind of stewardship. A stewardship that amounts to simply giving it all away. And even the good stuff. Giving it all away. Because we've been assured that there's plenty more where that came from. A never-ending stream of gifts flowing to us and through us. And all we have to do is open our hands and our hearts and let the stewardship river flow. Now, Psalm 40 sounds a bit like the kind of prayers that we often pray. It starts out with praise to the Lord for the things that God has already done. God drew us out of the pit. God set us on solid ground. God made our steps secure. God saved those who resisted the evils of idolatry and so on. The psalmist expresses gratitude and offers praise for what God did in the past. And the psalm ends with pleas to God for the future. Don't withhold your mercy. Keep me forever. Deliver me from the evil that surrounds me. Take care of my enemies. I'm poor and needy. Don't delay in saving me. I mean, it sounds familiar, right? Looking back, we can see so clearly all that God has done for us. Looking ahead, we can see all the bad stuff that threatens us, all the stuff that troubles us, makes us nervous. Looking back, we can see God's mercy everywhere. Looking ahead, well, we're not so sure. God saved us before. Will God save us again? God, please save us again. It's like the whole human experience captured in 17 verses of Hebrew poetry. God saved us once. We need saving again. Will God save us? God, please save us. Now look at what comes between those two movements, what comes between the looking back and the looking ahead. Verses 9 and 10. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Between the past and the future, the praise and the plea, the thanksgiving and the hope, there is testimony. Or, in keeping with our theme for today, there is the stewardship of praise, the giving away of the best gifts received, the sharing freely of what has been given to us by God. The psalmist standing somewhere between the knowledge that God has been faithful in the past and the hope that God will be faithful in the future, the psalmist tells the glad news with unrestrained lips, without keeping anything back or concealing anything. The psalmist shares freely with the congregation all that God has done and given an extravagant act of stewardship, unbounded, without fear of running out or running dry. The psalmist proclaims all the good things that God has done in anticipation of God doing those very same things in the future. Speech that proclaims and prophesies, prophecies, prophesies, that's it, all at once. Telling the truth and also telling the promise. 
the stewardship of praise, the testimony that shares all, and especially the good stuff, freely received and freely given. That's the rhythm of stewardship, the stewardship of praise. So often, as I said, when we hear the word stewardship, we think of an activity done within set limitations, an act that necessarily involves us in calculations and measurements and boundaries of one kind or another. There's only so much money, only so much time, only so much energy, only so many gifts. And that's all true. It's all true. As followers of Jesus, we're called to do the hard work of figuring out how best to work within those limits, how to be faithful in all things, how to meet our obligations and our commitments and still find room to be generous. And that's good work. That's faithful work. The work we're called to as children of God and disciples of Christ, to take the limited resources we have and then with God's help, share them wisely and boldly and trust that the same spirit that made five loaves and two fish feed a multitude will take our meager gift and multiply it beyond our wildest imagining. And we've seen it happen over and over and over again. Here in this congregation, we've seen that happen over and over and over again. Thanks be to God. And so we keep at it. And so we will continue to keep at it. And then there's this other stewardship, the one expressed by the psalmist, a stewardship that requires no attention to limits, no plans for the future, no storing away or concealing or preserving. A stewardship that's nothing more or less than a giving away of everything, even the good stuff. Profligate preaching of what we have seen and heard and experienced as we encounter God through Christ. Extravagant proclamation of all the mercy given to us, all the love given to us, all the healing given to us, all the promises, all the joy. Sharing it all freely and with the whole congregation and with everyone we meet bearing witness to the gifts that we've been given and that we keep being given, limitless, matchless, unending gifts from God who has saved us and does save us and will save us and the whole world to boot. A sharing done without an agenda or sense of obligation, no strings attached on either end, but done for the sheer wonder of it all, a river of good things flowing our way, so that all that we need to do, all that we can do, is open our hearts and our hands and our mouths and share everything, and especially the good stuff, until everyone knows all that we've seen and heard and all that's been done to us and for us. The stewardship of praise requires no number crunching, no reservations, no planning ahead. Just open wide and let it all go. Because as much as we give, as much as we share, there's plenty more where that came from. And it's already on its way. So on this Stewardship Sunday, I invite us to broaden our thinking about stewardship to include not only the careful and faithful management of our limited resources, but also the wild and carefree sharing of those gifts we've been given that have no limits. Gifts like mercy, love, grace, forgiveness, peace, joy, welcome, hospitality. Promises that are too big to carry, right? God come to earth. The word of hope, the light of the world. Salvation. Redemption. Gifts like these we don't need to hoard or save or in any way protect and preserve. These gifts we can share freely with abandon, recklessly even, and without regard to what comes next. These gifts we can share 
as generously as they were shared with us and so become just a little bit more like the God who freely gives them. Now, some things are harder to share than others, like my Kindle. I confess to being pretty possessive, maybe even a bit obnoxious about it in the bargain. Our tendency is to protect the things we value, right? To hold them to ourselves, to keep them safe from prying fingers, even the fingers of those that we love the most. We can convince ourselves that it's enough for them to see how pleased we are with the gift. But we need to resist that tendency. I need to resist that tendency. I need to stop being so stingy, so protective, so careful with the good things I receive, with the good gifts that I've been given, and especially with the best gifts especially with those gifts that were given to me freely, with no strings, no limitations, gifts that keep right on coming at me faster than I can keep track of them. I need to learn how to be a steward of those gifts, which means resisting the impulse to measure and reserve and in other ways treat the gift like it will one day run out if I'm not careful. I need to learn the difference between stewardship within limits and stewardship without limits. And then I need to learn how to practice both. And if that means trying to love everybody, well, then I'll try to love everybody. If that means trying to welcome everybody, I'll try to welcome everybody. If that means telling the truth about what I've seen and what I've felt and learned and discovered about God, then I will try to tell that truth. If that means putting grace before judgment, love before law, mercy before vengeance, forgiveness before retaliation, then I will try to do these things. If that means shouting God's praises to the highest heaven, well, that's what I'll try to do. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and ask that you all try to do these things with me, that you will join me in practicing a stewardship of praise. And so, dear sisters and brothers, on this Stewardship Sunday 2011, let's follow the example set for us in Psalm 40. Let's look back and count up all the gifts that we've received all of God's faithful acts, all of God's generous blessings. Let's look ahead and admit to our anxiety and our fear and ask God to be equally generous and equally faithful in the days and months to come. And then here, here in between the two, let's practice the stewardship of praise, telling everybody we can about the God who has given us so much and do so with reckless abandon, that will finally put to rest all those stereotypes about us frugal Mennonites. Let's be reckless, people. Let's give that praise away. Let's give it all away. Because we have been given the good stuff. So let's tell everybody all of it. Amen.